Hi guys, and welcome back to You're on Crackmate, the podcast where we delve into films, television series, and whatever takes our fancy, really, analysing and reviewing them to the point where we've been told flat out, you're on Crackmate. This week, I am very lucky to be joined by Johnny, aka Sorcerer Johnny. I've been lucky enough to meet this wonderful man through the fantastic playground that is Star Trek Twitter. Johnny is a Trekkie, a Disney fan, and an all-around inspiration, one of the nicest people this planet has ever housed. Johnny, thank you so much for joining me today. Sean, thank you for having me on here. I was tickled pink when you asked me to. Can Can you do books on tape? I love your voice so much. I, w- I was thinking the same same thing about yours. It's like I'm I'm talking to an Irishman and I am excited. <laughs> okay, well, right. So we we've just sorted out what we're doing for Christmas. We're each gonna do a book on tape for each other. Christmas sorted. Everyone's happy. Hey, I know a perfect book that I can do. It's written by my pal Sean. I've got an autographed copy of it, so I can I, just sit there and read it. I, I, I think that's fine. I think I'm totally on board, on board with that. I I would listen to that. Um, I I believe he's a, he's an he's an all right writer. Uh, but uh, I think you could make any text amazing. Just with well, your I voice. appreciate that because I've always had the southern drawl, and let's just be honest, the southern accent does not have the best connotation to go along with it. You know, everyone thinks we're slow, we're stupid. In Uhura thinks we sleep with farm animals. So, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, that was that, that was one thing we, 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 we need to address about that. It's not only farm animals. Not only. Yeah, I put a... I, it's funny. I put a tweet on there, and it was her quoting that, and that was my thing. Not only. <laughs> oh, that is gas. Um, but, like, it, 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 it's funny. Before we get into the, the film we are vaguely here to discuss, we'll probably go on many tangents and have a great time, right? But... That is one thing because uh, I I first spoke to you. Jeez, it feels like years ago now. But I first spoke to you uh, just after the the news about Star Trek: Strange New Worlds dropped, and we were both on um, Trek Lad uh, Michael Kenny's um, I suppose yeah vid- video podcast together. Right. And uh, oh no, it wasn't a video podcast that time. Uh, that time I think it was just a podcast. Yeah, it was just a and- podcast, but we were all on video. That's what it was. That's what it was. And I remember we were going around, and then the first moment you spoke, I literally just went, I love that voice so much. And it was literally my very first experience of you speaking. So I just wanted to share that with you on air. That That is the first feeling that came through me when I first heard you speak. Well, I appreciate that. And, I, and I've told you before, and I hope Michael hears this now, because I think... If, I haven't re-listened to it, that podcast in a while. Like, you were one of the first ones, I think, he introduced. And he's like, Trek Culture's own Sean Farrick. And I'd known you on Twitter and everything, but I guess I missed that in your bio. And so I'm over here just trying to keep my cool. I'm like, we're on video because I love Trek Culture. My wife and I, we watch it all together. And I'm like, as soon as the podcast was over and we were all off, I was just like going in there fanboying to my wife and like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Sean works for Trek Culture. And she's like, who? I said, Sean. And so after that, every time we would watch a Trek Culture, I'm like, my friend Sean wrote that. I just want you to know that was my friend Sean who wrote that. You know, that's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Two things. One, you're amazing. Two, checks in the mail. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I won't even ask for ID. It's cool. It's fine. No, like um, that that was because that was roughly I think around the time I had started really really kind of working with them. I think they've been just fantastic for helping helping lots of people kind of particularly trekkies get to know each other um, right and certainly like we have developed a really good friendship over um some of the articles shall we say yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, good but, and uh, the not so well received there yeah i i i mean this this may shock people listening but the internet is a place of strong opinion um, very strong Yes, and uh, this this can swing both ways. Very much so. Um, much like myself during my teen years, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> and uh, it, and I hope this uh, this that's you know this this is one of those pretty much anything goes podcasts. We can just hey, chat. I'm all for it. <laughs> um, now, oddly enough, despite what we just said, it's actually not Star Trek that we're here to discuss today. No, and what was funny is that you had me come up with three ideas, three movies. You said come up with three movies from the 80s and 90s that you would like to discuss. And so I'm gonna, I haven't told you this yet. So the day that um, I came up with the three was the day my wife's grandfather passed away. And we were at his house going through stuff, you know, just being together with the family. So it was a nice break from the tension, number one. So, thank you for that. So, I came up with three movies. I know it was Romy and Michelle, because I love that movie. Of course, yeah. It was uh, Batman 1989, and just off the top of my head, I can't remember number three. But then, I got to thinking, well, the name of his podcast is Your Own Crackmate. And I love that, because I ha- when I worked for Blockbuster Video, I had a store manager. Her, If she had a catchphrase, it's like... Her catchphrase, whenever you would say something kind of silly or outrageous, she'd be like, you're on crack rock. So <laughs> so it's like, oh, man, this is just like the perfect podcast. And I thought, wait a second. I gave him three movies that I absolutely love. That's kind of got good reviews, a good reputation. You know, most people, you know, they, they talk positive about that. So I think it was about 30 minutes after I sent the initial three. And I wish I could remember the third one, but... I sent just a little one you hadn't responded yet, and I just sent a little one that said, or if you want to have fun, we can do the movie we're doing. And then, like, immediately you're like, I'm on board for this. So I thought, awesome, this is going to be so much fun, and we are going to kick some ice. <laughs> Straight in there with the puns. <laughs> <laughs> that should have given it away uh, right there. In- Johnny, what's the name of the film we're doing today? We are doing the 1997 legendary Batman and Robin. Yes, we are. <laughs> oh, um, oh, as soon as you suggested it, it was like, yes, absolutely yes, because this is a film that is infamous in not just in superhero movies, but just in movies in general. Yeah, I mean, this movie is still talked about 23 years later, and it's all, I mean, it's primarily negative. I mean, people just, but this movie has just lasted for people's, you know, just upset. This movie just upset people. 
and to me, I'm like, I, I, I have fun with it. <laughs> it. It's, I feel like legit now, I'd say, you know, if we went back to 1997 and nine-year-old Sean was, first of all, the primary demographic for this film. So I probably see. I can't. I don't think I watched it when I was when I was only little. Um, I think it was. I was definitely in my teens before I got to watch it, and I I think I didn't get it when I watched it. Now I watch it right, and it's a cartoon, but very with much so. real life. You know, it is very very clearly. You know, it was meant to be fun. It wasn't meant to be dark. And I think people really struggled with that. I think that's where some of the criticism... There, there was a lot of criticism. Oh, that was some of the criticism comes from the fact that, you know, this was probably as close to the Adam West Batman as the films had or have come. Exactly. And I think after, particularly after Burton's batman films and and even forever is a darker film right you know, it's still schumacher they're still neon but it's still a darker film and people i, I think were just like ah guys yeah it was designed to sell toys it, did you ever watch the blu-ray commentary i would you believe i actually watched it this morning did you watch it this morning i yeah. haven't watched it in a while but joel schumacher apologizes what 200 times for this like, movie there's you, you cannot say that they don't own it right do you know what i mean exactly he and he knew what he was making and this wasn't the movie he wanted to make but basically batman forever made a ton of money it sold a ton of toys so batman and robin was batman forever times 20 you know it's you know and, and there's a lot to there is a lot of negative on this movie i will admit you know but there is actually some good in this movie, and I'm going to I'm going to talk about some of the negatives, bat nipples. But I'm also <laughs> going to. There's a lot I like about this movie, and whenever I I was listening last week to some of your po- other podcasts from here, other episodes, and I know you try to bring Star Trek references to everything, so I set myself a goal. I failed. I wanted to do five, find five Star Trek references i can make for this movie but i only found only got four but i'm still proud of the four that i've got i'm proud of it 100 percent proud of it four is like in a way 1997 there was so much star trek around it's kind of a, a bit like um er which i will come back to for very obvious reasons as we discuss this film um it's like one of those shows where who hasn't in some way been on one of the franchises or, or one of the shows. Um, so I will be very interested to hear your four found, connections. I only found one actor that was in Star Trek in this movie. Oh. I kept going through IMDb, like, trying to find, like, you know, just something, you know. I didn't go through everyone, you know. I didn't do... I think I think in the credits, one of the actors is credited as Handsome Cop, so I didn't do Handsome Cop or anything, but, but like, yeah, I even thought, I was hoping, like, maybe um, Alfred or something was on the original Star Trek, like a background. No, I, 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 I failed. I found one. Do you know which actor was in a Star It was in Star Trek. Nope. John Glover was in a Deep Space Nine episode, Invasive Procedures. Oh, he was. Didn't he rob the Dark Symbiont? 
it may have been. I need to rewatch that. It's but yeah, that was the only one that just I could find. Lord, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I I remember the episode it's season one of DS Nine, um, and yeah, there's they evacuate the station. There is like a, a plasma storm or you know MacGuffin of the week, and so they have a skeleton crew, and yeah, um, actually. That episode also features Tim Russ as a Klingon. Okay, awesome. I need. I've. I've got to get back into my DS9 rewatch. But with this pandemic, my job has just been outrageously busy. I told you before we was recording. All these people are like, yeah, I'm got laid off, getting paid, and I've been so creative, creating podcasts and YouTube stuff. And I just want to say, screw all of you people. Some of us are working four times the harder. Than- <laughs> well. Thank you very much for doing the work. Like fair, no, fair play. No, I, I, up and I'm leaving my job in a week, but I work for the food stamp office here in Tennessee, and so my job has oh, been wow. very important. Um, yes. To keep people's food on the table to keep them, you know. So it's been a very important job, and I only joke whenever I say "screw all of you people that did that." Of it's more course. of a jealousy that I wish I had the time, the energy. And it's one of those things, um, where do I, how do I divide my time during the day? Because I'm trying to stay with my fitness, stay with, keep, you know, spending time with my wife. I've got to work because I've got to put food on my table as well. And so sometimes entertainment goes to the bottom, which, you know, in life, that really probably should be your not most important thing. But I love you guys, your the creators like you and all of my other friends on there. I love you guys. And... I wish I had the talent you guys had. Well, I mean, first of all, thank you so much. Um, but also, thank you so much. I mean, talk about essential worker. Well, I appreciate um, that. Because, as as you say, this has been, um, th- this has been like nothing else. There, there, there is no comparable um, situation that the world has gone through. Um, as you say, a lot of people laid off some. Thankfully, and I will be the first to admit, I I was laid off, but I was okay. You know, we, oh, we, we were I'm glad okay. you were okay. And I, uh, you know, for everyone that's getting laid off, and I know we're filming, we're recording this on October 11th. If that's okay, I'm going to say October 11th. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and, yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of people, I'm a, like you said, I'm a big Disney person, and a lot of the Disney parks people are getting laid off right now. And it's, yeah. and it's, and it's sad because these are people these cast members and that's what i love about disney they're not employees they're cast members yep and they they're just such delightful people and i i hope a vaccine a good vaccine happens and we can get back to as normal as possible everyone goes back to work without fear yes that's what i like you know like i'm pretty lucky i'm in the office but we're very much a skeleton crew right now and so I don't go to work in fear, but I can imagine some of these people working at the grocery stores, the restaurants, you know, I know they go to work and they're in fear. And, but I thank you because they keep food on my table and my wife and I, we've been tipping extra good to the, our waitresses when we go out to eat because they thank deserve you. it. They, they deserve it. Yeah. No, like you're, you, you, you're so right. I mean, they're everyone is going through such a strange time a scary 
of course goes without saying but strange and so everyone is going to react differently they're going to um deal with this situation differently some will disappear into say a star trek binge for a week i have definitely done that i can tell you um and some will will face it another way they might you know the you know uh we are i i i I, I think it's very telling that we are recording this the day after World Mental Health Day, which I think has taken on just... Uh, again, it's it's important anyway to look after one's mental health, but in a situation like this where it, the, the, nobody can offer you advice and, you know, kind of like, oh, here's how I dealt with that, because we're all going through it. It's all the same time. And I think... Um, I um I've I've nearly I've nearly lost the run of my thoughts there. Basically, I appreciate so much the work that you're doing. I appreciate the work that so many people are doing, and I I, I appreciate the other creators as well because it's it, it, it's hard. Right. It, it, it's it, it's hard. Yeah. I'm not ta- I'm not talking for myself here. I just mean like in, in general here. It's it's hard for people to sometimes create positivity. Um, but there is a, there's a lot of positivity out there. There really is. Happy it's, called, to say that. it's called our Twitter family, our yep. Trek Twitter family. That is the most positive, positive place. And I was listening to you and Ian. Shout out to Ian. Talk, you know, last night on when y'all was doing Cube, and you t- was talking about the positivity of Trek, of the Trek family, and it's so true. I mean, yeah, you have you know some that's not you know so positive, but for the most part. Trek Twitter has been, I mean, it's kept so many of us sane. It really, truly has. One hundred percent. I mean, like sometimes, um, sometimes when you're feel when you're feeling a certain way, and you know, we we all find ourselves scrolling sometimes. I I'll go to Twitter just to read, right? You know, just just to read some of the exchanges, some of the 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 lovely messages between people because. You know, sometimes just seeing somebody say to somebody else, hey, you know what? Well done today. Right. You know? Exactly. It's just like, it gives me a little happy feeling inside. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I just wish more people had said that to Joel Schumacher and and to George Clooney and and, and the rest of this, uh, because I can only imagine what 1997 would have been like if Twitter was around then. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) I mean... Yes, it would have been a nightmare for, for, yeah. I th- I and, think I think yeah. Like this um, time I think has been good for this film. I think because now it's um, there's people could have enjoyed it at the time, uh, even if it might not have been what they were expecting. But now, look, you know what you're getting when you right. put on Batman and Robin. That and you've also got. So many other Batman movies out there. You've got the Christopher Nolan uh, trilogy. You've got um, the DCEU, which I know Batman v Superman gets a lot of crap, but Ben mm. Affleck is a damn fine Batman and Bruce I mean, Wayne. He is I mean, brilliant. I will, yeah, on the record here with yourself, I think he was fantastic in the part. I do too, and I do, and I hate that he's not. Um, Maybe not, I, I guess he's not coming back. I'm actually looking forward to what Robert Pattinson is going to bring. Yep. 
Um, yep. Because I'm not familiar with anything he's done outside of Twilight, which I'm, I've watched more as a laugh than anything. But I think Robert Pattinson will be a great Bruce Wayne and Batman. I really, truly do. I need to watch yeah. The Lighthouse. I've heard he was fantastic in that. It's so good. It's yeah, I need to so watch it. good. I've got it on yeah. my voodoo, so I do, I do need to watch it. So, and, cool. and like I say, in all the animated movies, um, and even at the time Batman and Robin came out, you had the best Batman thing of all time going on with the animated series. Absolutely. That, I... To me, as much as I love Batman, 89, uh, I love Batman Begins. The Batman, the animated series, to me, not counting the comic books, but just in, like, visual medium, Batman, the animated series, is the best Batman thing ever. I, I completely agree. There, I, I agree with you in that the movies are fantastic, and The Dark Knight is obviously, like, it's one of the best films ever made. But if somebody asks me what is the best version of Batman, I will say Kevin Conroy, Batman animated series. Um and just that style those stories they because they they did what i feel this movie was trying to do is they managed to marry you know the darkness of batman with the lightheartedness of you know you know you have a kid audience right you know right um, and this movie could be great i got to thinking about that today when you know like preparing for this watching it for the third time you have two villains who are so, it could be so relatable. Mm. Mr. Freeze, I mean, because, let's be honest, the, in the Batman, the animated series, the Mr. Freeze story is probably the best villain story in the whole series. It's so and, affecting. Yeah. Yes, and they tried to do that in here. I think casting Arnold Schwarzenegger was probably not the best idea, which leads to one of my Star Trek things. Which, which you may not, you probably know this, you probably heard this, but you were young at the time, or I was 21 when this movie came out. So, but, you know, the big rumor was they were wanting Patrick Stewart to be Mr. Freeze. I only, I, I literally found that out today. Today. Could yeah. you imagine, Sir, I'm sorry, Sir Patrick Stewart, take away the puns, all those ice puns, and make him an empathetic villain. How much that, different this movie could have been. I, I'm smiling because imagine they did. Because imagine how amazing that performance would have been. But imagine if everything around it was the exact same film. How strange that would, would have been. It would be strange. Yeah, I think that would be gas. But it would have knocked it down a le- a, a bit. It's kind of. Even though I don't agree with this, I heard one of the critiques of the Ghostbusters 2016 movie was that all they hired four comedians to all be funny, and it kind of canceled each other out. They didn't have the serious one. They didn't have... I don't necessarily agree with that, because I find Ghostbusters 2016 hilarious. And I, I was tweeting about that this, last week. But um, where... Everyone's making puns. Even Batman's making little puns whenever he mm. knocks someone out and says, good night. And then the bat card. You know, everything was a pun in here. And if you just took out a filth of that, you know, so maybe That's... it would have leveled it a little bit. Maybe a bit because I feel, um, and I, I, I'm 
I'm sure there's a, a, a future Chris Nolan film that will prove me wrong, but I feel characters like, for example, uh, Poison Ivy, she is high camp. She is yeah. that kind of vamp uh, character. And I feel it suits it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do too. And, and also, can you imagine a Batman movie with Poison Ivy today that really hits on the environmental side of the character? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, you know, that could be... I mean, and like I said, empathetic, both of them, their their goals are not to be the villain. They they have goals, and they just happen to want to do an extreme form of taking care of things, which, you know, we still have that to this day. I'm looking at um that last Godzilla movie where... Did you watch uh, King of Monsters? Uh, no, sorry, I've not seen King of Monsters. Okay. I saw the um, the Gareth Edwards one. Okay, well, I won't say too much about King of Monsters, but basically, Poison Ivy's um, plan is almost the same plan as in King of Monsters, in a way. That's just all I'll say. But, or, or even, do you know who it reminds me of? Thanos, the MCU. Yeah. His, yeah. his goal is it's all to you know share resources to you know, and that I think you're right today. That makes them much more sympathetic, um, right? You know, still obviously. Let let's you know, Uma Thurman just sells it for the back seats. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, but she still, is my favorite part of this movie, hands oh. down, without a shadow of a doubt. She just has so much fun, and it just comes through the screen. It really, truly does. Uma Thurman is literally my favorite part of this movie. She was fantastic. She was like, um, I was watching uh, as, as as you mentioned, I was watching the the Blu-ray uh, commentary, and she was saying that she got the the invitation to the meeting with Joel Schumacher to talk about a role in this, and she said, "Okay," in her head, "If this is gonna be a damsel in distress role, I mean, I'm just gonna be like," and he goes, "No, it's a villain," and she agreed on the spot. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I was reading some things where she was saying that she has no regrets making this movie. It was her first big blockbuster movie, and she learned a lot from the movie. And, I mean, she knew what movie she was in. Yeah. And she was perfect. Um, she was only had one line of dialogue that kind of, I kind of rolled my eyes at the way she delivered it. But other than that, I, I mean, I just really loved her from the moment she came on screen. She was just such a delight. And why Uma Thurman is not a bigger mainstream star, I don't know. I know I she's know, a star, right? but like every big movie she does seems to flop. Like I know, it's, it's like, I know what you mean. Like you're kind of like, you think of pretty much, I was going to say pretty much everybody else in this, poor Chris O'Donnell, but nearly everybody else in this film, you know, has had stellar superstar careers and I'm I'm not for a second saying that this film was a launching pad for people but you know the people in this it, it hasn't killed many of their films and now I'm kind of thinking oh maybe that's not true because uh, Alicia Silverstone and yeah she Chris didn't O'Donnell. really recover well, at least Chris O'Donnell has his TV show he's working oh yeah no you're dead right actually which comes to one of my Star Trek points are you ready yes. for this? This one is a stretch, but I'm using it. Chris <laughs> O'Donnell was in Batman and Robin, which killed the Batman franchise for many years to come. 
Scott Bakula was in Star Trek Enterprise, which killed the Star Trek franchise for many years to come, and now they're both leads on an NCIS TV show. I will allow this. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stretch it, but... <laughs> No, that's that is that that is the kind of stretch that is worthy of Schumacher. I'm right. gonna say that right now. Uh, <laughs> that is gas. Oh, Chris O'Donnell. I was I was watching I was watching an interview with him for this, and he was he was so like, straight up and 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 I think it, it was a contemporary interview as well. So it was it was, was it quite the soon. 2005 one. Oh, think? that's exactly what it was. That's okay, exactly yes. what it was. Yeah, and he was. You know, he said, you know, I enjoyed doing it. He said, I would still do it again. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was, he, he, he was, quite, actually, he said something that was quite interesting that, again, probably makes perfect sense when you kind of look into the making and background of films. But something that was like, huh, he was like, he, he was saying, I was watching the premiere, watching a scene going, yeah, I didn't film that. Because there was so many different stand-ins and so much right. going on at the same time. Because this film, they shot it for a blockbuster. They shot it quickly. It came in two weeks ahead of schedule in terms of um, principal photography, which I think, looking at pretty much any film, that's amazing. Right. And it is a beautiful-looking film. No one can take away from the set design. and It is a beautiful look. It made wonderful trailers. Yes, it did. Yeah, I yes, remember those trailers perfectly in the summer of 97. I was excited for this movie. I couldn't wait and, to watch it. And you know what? Rightfully so, because what it ended up being, it's still very much, you know, the sequel to Batman Forever. You can see that there's a, a straight link. And I tend to look at Batman and Robin and Batman Forever as, I would say they're pretty much the same in terms of, if not quality, then certainly spirit. Right. Um, I, 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 ter- I thoroughly enjoy the two of them. I like Val Kilmer in the part. I, I love, jo- I love George Clooney in the role. Uh, I know I'm bouncing from name to name to name here, but I think George Clooney's Bruce Wayne is very good. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Here's what I used to say about the original four Batman movies and the three actors. Uh, Michael Keaton, I loved him as Batman. And I thought mm-hmm. his Bruce Wayne was, he, to me, he didn't fit the profile. And that's not a knock on Michael Keaton. I love Michael Keaton. Those two movies, fantastic. I love them still to this day. George Clooney, I said, was a great Bruce Wayne. Because basically, George Clooney is Bruce Wayne at this time. 100%. Yep. And his Batman was lacking. Yep. But Val Kilmer, I thought was perfect in both. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Um I I would have liked to have seen Val Kilmer do this. I know there was the, uh, the same the same 2005 documentary. There seems to have been a little bit of he said she said over why he didn't come back. Right. Um but there doesn't seem to be bad blood. Right. Exactly. Um, and I have heard Val Kilmer is hard to work with. Yes, I, I, I have heard. I, yeah. yeah. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah. And going back on what you were saying about Batman and Robin, to me, Batman and Robin was like, Batman Forever was a financial hit over Batman Returns. And so mm-hmm. to me, it was like, they're like, okay, we made more money again. We made money again. Yay. We should do this. 
and up the ante by 10. Because it's literally, oh, we had a little neon in forever. We're going to put a lot of neon in Batman and Robin. And one of the scenes that I, I don't, it just kind of, I laugh at it, but it's the, like in Batman Forever, you had that scene, which is still, I guess, a little feasible in the mind, where the Batmobile drives up the wall. You know, he mm. wonderful, wonderful scene. I mean, as a, I see, I guess I was 18 when that came out. I was 20 when this one, so I was 18 when Batman Forever came out. And just out of high school. And I just saw that in theaters. Like, wow, that's a really cool scene. And so in Batman Forever, they're driving on these humongous statues. That's obviously CGI. <laughs> but it's like, how far can we take this? And so I just I just think they went a little too far, obviously. And that and that and Joe Schumacher in that commentary uses the word toy centric. This movie was designed to sell toys. Like, it was, and I think, in fairness to uh, Joel Schumacher, in fairness to the producers, they never once hit that. They were like, this is... Because, in a way, I can completely understand the logic, because it was it was a very long-running franchise anyway, if you count, I suppose, and of course we should count, the comic books, the cartoons. It was a very, very long-running franchise. This was just the latest installment. So, yet, we knew that toys were going to sell... They didn't. Uh, they didn't think that the franchise was going to kind of grind to a halt after this. It's wonderful thinking that this film's the prequel to Batman Begins. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, like you can understand. Happy Meals. You got toy action figures, uh, particularly play sets. I, I, I must. I'm pretty sure I had a, one of those Batmobiles at some point in my life, um, because of course, like. Who, what kid wouldn't want to play with the Batmobile? Let's make it bright and shiny. Right, yeah, very much. It looks like a Firefly, a lightning bug, that spinning light in the front. And, then, and, and it had the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack to this day. I sent you a picture yesterday. Yeah. I was at my favorite store. Now, I have my original copy of this soundtrack still on CD to this day that I bought the week it came out. But I was at my favorite store up in East Tennessee. I was on a little trip, and they, I found a copy for a quarter. And I like, I have a three and a half hour drive ahead of me, so I bought it again for a quarter just to listen to it <laughs> on oh the way home. Oh my god! You got it for a quarter? A quarter, yeah. They have this bargain bin section of CDs, and I'm like, for a quarter, because I'm, I'm, I honestly, I meant to bring, you know, I had, I have, I have CDs out the wazoo, and I have to dig through boxes and boxes. And I meant to bring it with me, and I lost, I had, didn't. I ran out of time before I left. And so when I was going through the cheap CDs looking for stuff, and I saw that, and I'm like, I'm recording with Sean tomorrow. I really wanted to listen to some of this. I'm just going to buy it again and just get, just give it to someone or something because it's just a quarter. So, uh, <laughs> so I, that picture that's, I sent that's you. That's a meant-to-be moment. Yeah. So that picture I sent you was my second copy before I left to head back home. <laughs> uh, I actually love that. And also, like, yeah, three and a half hours. And it's such... I love I love Elliot Goldenhall's score. Um, and I, the score I love his is theme. not available. They never released the full score soundtrack. Mm. It's just the pop soundtrack that they released. Oh, man. I mean, because yeah. the, the songs are great. I, I was only listening yeah. to um, the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, the end is the beginning is the end. Or is it the beginning is the end is the beginning? Both. Uh, they like recorded it. it twice. 
There's the oh, up, no way. Yeah, on the soundtrack, it's the first and last song. There's an upbeat version that you hear in the end credits. And then there's a slower version of the song. That's the last track. And if you remember, if you remember the previews for Watchmen in 2009, they used the slower version, which is the beginning is the end is the beginning. The fast version, I think, is the end is the beginning is the end. And then the slower version is the beginning is the end is the beginning. <laughs> You're just kind of creepy. You want to be like, Billy Corgan, come, just just call it something easier or something. Right. But, yeah, I was, because I was listening. So I, I now that you said that, I was listening to the slower version. Okay. Because that was the one I remember for exactly that reason, the previous for Watchmen. Right. Um, and I was like, this this is from Batman and Robin? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but there's other great tracks on there. Um, I cannot pronounce her name. Michelle Ince, it's a long name, and I'm not even going to try it. She did that uh, Wild Night with um, John Cougar Mellencamp back in the mid-'90s. You may not remember that. But she did the version of Poison Ivy on there, and it's a great version of Poison Ivy. And there's just all kinds of songs. And it's, you know, 1997, in the world of pop music, it was just a big variety that was, you know, pop, rock, I mean, everything just, you know, it wasn't like this one dominating thing, and the soundtrack reflects that. It is a off-the-wall soundtrack. I mean, nothing really has the same kind of feel to it, but I love that, because it just reminds me of being 20 years old, and the radio just played different kinds of things, and so, I still love the soundtrack to this day. Oh, no, I, I, I love that as well. I love how, how something like that, because... I'd say, in fairness, if, if we were to kind of ask anyone, you know, out of context, what do you remember for Batman and Robin? I, I'd say people probably would, their first protocol probably wouldn't be the soundtrack. And so it's funny, it's like, just go back and have a listen through. And not only will you get a wallop of late 90s nostalgia, but there's also some bloody good tunes on it. Yeah, Joel's Foolish Games is on there. The pop version of that, the radio oh, yeah. version of Foolish Games is on there. R. Kelly had a song called Gotham City, which is totally hilarious because Gotham City is not a city of hope, a city of peace. You know, hmm. Arkham City is supposed to be a dark place, and that's why you need Batman. But it's still, you know, if you can still enjoy R. Kelly's music, you know, it's a nice little track. You know, it, obviously he was trying to capture the I Can Believe I Can Fly, you know, thing again. Yeah. And um, Bone Thugs and Harmony's on there. I mean, it's just, it's got some good songs on there. I really still enjoy it. Um, you've pretty much just guaranteed as well that as soon as we wrap up here, I know what I'm listening to on my walk. <laughs> <laughs> and the fast version of the Smashing Pumpkin song is a great running song. I mean, that's got some energy to it. So that's actually I'm not even. I mean, other than the film, okay, great. I know what I'm going to do. But also, yeah. one thing. So not one thing, but another thing I wanted to talk about. So this film doesn't get the recognition it deserves for. It's got some strong female empowerment it is still the only live action depiction of batgirl was she not in the tv show or the, oh, you the, mean in the movies in the in the movies, in the movies yeah. right, so, yes um and you know i really like alicia silverstone in this film is she hamming it up yes who isn't in this film but i i don't mind the deviation say from canon which right. is, you know, she's Alfred's niece. Great, you know, get her into the film. At, at, at this point, it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, so, 
what do you so what do you feel about Batgirl in this film? Well, doing a little research for this, um, one thing I remember this happening at the time, but I didn't realize how much it caused a problem. She gained some weight during this movie. I don't know if you read about this or not. And she got a lot of fat shame because of it because she couldn't fit the costume. And so a lot of her scenes had to be cut, from what I understand. So that makes me kind of sad. But then again, and I'm not trying to be mean about it, but if you're signing on to be a superhero, there's training involved. I mean, I look at Henry Cavill to become Superman. He went from Henry Cavill to Henry Cavill. Um and so, like, you know, you know, and, and, and it's at a point like you don't want to fat shame because I think Alicia Silverstone is a beautiful, beautiful woman. And she is still beautiful 25 years after Clueless um, mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. day. You know, um, maybe she wasn't the best part or maybe because, like you said, the production was just so fast. She didn't have the time to get all the training in she needed to do. Um you know, even George Clooney wasn't buffed up George Clooney. You know, he was still, you know, George Clooney, you know. So yeah. I think if it was done today, it would be, that would be a little bit different. But I think Alicia Silverstone, number one, was a fantastic choice for the role. I think she was, because she was in the zeitgeist, wasn't yes. she? As you say, I mean, Clueless. Clueless was a very popular, you know, movie. Um just two years earlier, so I can understand totally why they wanted Alicia Silverstone in this movie. I just wish they would have done right by her. That's all. I, that's all I'll say. And again, I don't want to fat shame because that is not what I'm doing here. But no, I myself cannot be a superhero without months and months of training. I mean, that's just part of it, you know. I think, but you're you're dead right in in the way that you you've brought attention to this was rushed. I mean, yeah. the the marketing for Batman Forever had only recently ish wrapped up before the marketing for Batman and Robin had already begun. Right. So I mean, like, I'm I'm trying to think of like if myself today was told. Great, Sean, you're playing. And by the way, to any acting people who are, you know, waiting to cast anyone out there, this is me asking for the part. But if someone says, Sean, you're going to be Superman, I'll be like, great, give me three years. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, I, I you don't, don't film this in January. I'm not going to be ready. Right. Um, and I think we're both at the time and now, we're so used to seeing, you know, people chiseled out of stone you know, wrapped up in these costumes. And, you know, obviously the comics have been depicting that back since, you know, time immemorial. And I think it's, it it must be so hard when you know that you're playing a part where that is going to be a a factor of it. And that if, if, you know, for whatever reason, expectations are not met, um, you know, it, 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 it must be bloody hard. Uh, I, I, I think it was well of, uh, say, Chris Pratt, who went from Parks and Rec to Guardians of the Galaxy and God, almost no. lost out on the role for, for something similar. And he was like, no, no, no. And then went on a six-month crazy diet binge. Jesus, fair play. And also, he's insane. But, um, but yeah, like I think because what, what we should be remembering today is that, you know, she brought the 
you know, how, how do I say it? The the nine oh two one oh the you know right. the the almost the Buffy right. I think right. two. Hey, this Batman was a, and Robin. this was the year Buffy came out ninety seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just look at oh man, just thinking about this now, the writing on Buffy, even in the early seasons, the writing on Buffy, how that was so much fun but yet serious, and oh man, if they could have captured that in this movie that kind of Buffy-esque feel that would have been great I I think so I think had they uh, I mean we could apply this to any part of the film but had they have given it a little more time a little more time a little more thought it could have been great you could have still kept the camp you know kept the, the fun because it is it is a fun film once you sift through the hate that's out there for yeah. this film, it's a fun film that you'd show your kids. Right. You know? Um, Let me ask you this. Would Batgirl be considered woke in today's society? Just think about it. She got put the back, the uh, the suit on, and then she kicked Poison Ivy's ass. Yes, she did. <laughs> um, and they gave it like, a little backstory that she had some, you know, little training. She's, you know, she can ride a motorcycle, but, you know... She just put the suit on and she was ready to kick butt. No training at all. There. Look, but but you're you're dead, right? And like, I, 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 I wish, yeah, I, I, I wish we either saw another film where she got developed more as a character, but yeah. for, for what she had, I, I, I think they gave her. No, they, they, they oh. You could hear it to me. It's like I wish they had given her more, but some yeah. of the stuff they gave her wasn't great. I did yeah. like the um, uh, the drag race. Yes, um, yeah. I actually liked that. Oh yeah, of course. Oh, sorry. I slipped my mind there. <laughs> oh, the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I like that. Um, I mean, they gave her some stuff, and of course, like most i don't know why they do this in superhero franchises there's just so much yes there's so much and it's so hard to take a two-hour movie and develop everyone well um and unfortunately batgirl kind of got the shaft but you know what if a 10 year old girl got inspired to be you're thinking, oh, this could be me because of Elisa Silverstone and Batgirl. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And that's that's one of the things that I certainly take away from this film, that if I was, uh, I have not been a 10-year-old girl, but uh, if I had, say, you know, if I ever have a daughter, um, I, I would happily put on this film as an example of, there. there seems to be, I want to phrase this properly because I want to get across what I mean. There seems to be no more exploitation of the women than there are of the men in this film. That is not to say there is no exploitation. Codpiece shots, bat nipples. But But it doesn't seem to be one over the other. am, Am I saying that don't worry, everyone gets exploited at the same way and that's a good thing? Maybe I am and maybe I'm going to get in trouble for that. Maybe I'll move swiftly on from that point. Well... Uh, and this is not me saying anything, but we are dealing with Joel Schumacher, who has not been shy about his past and his what he likes. <laughs> we'll just leave it that way. But 
Um, <laughs> oh, Joel, rest yeah, in peace. Rest I know. Peace. He made some <laughs> awesome movies. He really did. But then again, he, he made the Lost Boys. Yeah, uh, I've never watched the Lost Boys. <gasps> I know. I knew that was going to get you. Oh. Okay. Uh, we are we're going to have a conversation off air about yeah. that one. Well, he also oh. he did. What, my favorite movie of his was A Time to Kill. I don't know if you ever saw that or not. I've seen most of it. Okay. Um, and of course... Which is a terrible thing to say about any film, but um, from some point or another, I, I've seen it here, there, everywhere, yeah. but not the whole thing all the way through. It's a wonderful movie. Of course, it's, it takes place in the South, so, yeah. That's that. Um, but, also, yeah, but yeah, that was... A, and you were saying just a minute ago, I'm going to quickly change the subject, about the marketing and everything. Mm. I love... The Batman and Robin symbol. It's brilliant. It is. It was just awesome. And the reds just really, it stuck out. I love the opening credits to this movie. To this day, I love the opening credits. And I don't know about you. I love opening credits. I love the music. I love mm-hmm. the, the, the visual style. The Batman font is up. Probably my second favorite movie font of all time behind Star Trek, the motion picture, and, you know, the, the TOS Star Trek font. But mm. the Batman font is fantastic. I love it. I mean, and again, I'm not going to say too much bad, but the Christopher Nolan Batman font is not memorable. It's just a plain old font. It's the same, like, I, I, I've just wrapped up a whole series on Christopher Nolan's films. Yeah, and- I know. <laughs> <laughs> just a subtle plug there yeah, for but, but he, he does like it's Nolan's font it's just like that is the font that he uses and that's yeah. fine that's his signature font but I, I agree with you it's not iconic in the way that like if you were to write the word door in the Batman font I would know you're writing in the Batman font right well and then Warner Brothers keeps using it it was used for Superman Returns it was used for most of the DCEU movies um, I think Suicide Squad got a nice little hmm. look, I think. But, you know, I don't want to talk about that movie. But, <laughs> yeah, it's just not that, you know, it's just not memorable like the Batman font. I mean, that font is just iconic. And I, I, I don't know. I just like having stuff like that. Um, and, like, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. And I love when each Doctor has basically its own version of the um the logo their own logo yeah. i mean some of them share um but i would love it if every had their own theme and their own logo you know i love stuff like that i mean that gets me pumped that gets me excited and so and the batman one's up there and i think the batman and robin putting the bat and robin batman and robin symbols together with that logo ah just beautiful wonderful poster i remember seeing the poster in theaters and just being so excited for it, I I think yeah they they net so much in fairness so much craft went into the marketing because they knew they were going to be you know selling toys they knew they were going to be you know pushing pushing that side of things that it's really really good it's yeah. it's straight it does exactly what it's supposed to do it you know it is marketing to the nines and obviously because more effort went into that than went into the script for this film. Right. It, you end up with this un, unbalanced, uh, there's no payoff or well, there's not as much of a payoff as there, as there should be. Right. Um, whereas with things like maybe Batman 89, which 
is a smaller film because it was the first Batman film since the 60s. Right. Um, you didn't have that. Uh, there, there was a bigger marketing push on Batman Returns, obviously because 89 had done well. Right. Um, whereas with this, it was so in your face, it had to be good. And it was good, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which you mentioned the writing, that brings me to my fourth Batman and Robin Star Trek connection. You know Go who wrote the, who wrote this movie? Sorry, yes I do. Yes I do. Akiva yes. Goldsman, so who's working on a lot of the new Star Trek stuff we're getting right now. So that was my fourth yeah. connection. That was that was a actually because you know, I was I was looking through. It's like yeah, Joel Schumacher wrote it. Wait, Akiva Goldsman wrote this uh, because I like his writing. He get he gets ripped to shreds um, a lot, and I think you know. Not every writer deserves a home, or deserves, Freudian slip, I'll come back to that one, but not every writer delivers a home run every time. They just don't. Not Um, every director. I mean, Steven Spielberg's considered, you know, one of the best modern directors, and, you know, some of his stuff doesn't hit, and that's fine, you know. You know, that's why I'm going to go... I wish there was a sequel to this movie. Now, I'm going to be a little controversial here. Okay. Okay. I like Batman Begins a lot. I do. I wouldn't want to erase it from history whatsoever. I think The Dark Knight is overrated. And I'm seeing the look on your face while we record this. And I told you, I I sent you a DM. I have a controversial statement I'm going to say that you're probably going to block me on all social media. (laughs) (laughs) Don't pay attention to the clicking that's going on on this side (laughs) of the call. (laughs) I just think it's an overrated movie. I think if it wasn't for Heath Ledger, it wouldn't be as merely as memorable. I have most definitely heard that viewpoint. You're definitely not alone in thinking that. And it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking the movie at all. But that summer we had The Dark Knight and we had Iron Man. And at that point, I was more of a DC person a Batman person. I don't. I didn't really know who Iron Man was, but I preferred mm-hmm. Iron Man to the Dark Knight. It is definitely of the. It's it, Iron Man is a much more fun film. Yeah. The Dark Dark Knight is not a fun film. Yeah. And then I'm going to say my other one. I don't like the Dark Knight Rises. If that's okay. And if you were to come over to the house and be like, "Hey, I've got." Batman and Robin in The Dark Knight Rises. What do you want to watch? I'm going to pick Batman and Robin every time. I get that. <laughs> I get that. You know, um, I think I think Dark Knight Rises, um, just, just a little sidebar. I know Ian, as he listens to this, is going to be wetting himself laughing because The Dark Knight Rises manages to find its way into nearly every episode of every <laughs> podcast that i do so ian that one is for you but the dark Knight rises is look it's does what it says in the day it finishes the trilogy it you know it it does x it's y it's got logic serious logic issues um but that's fine but like that it's very long and it's not fun right i saw batman and robin twice in theaters and I'll, i've only seen the dark Knight rises one time i cannot get enough energy or excitement to watch The Dark Knight Rises again. And as a Batman fan, that makes me sad. Yeah, I get that. Because you want to be, like, again, bringing Star Trek into everything. 
there is no Star Trek film that I won't watch multiple times. Oh, which reminds me why I said I, I got off on a tangent. I said earlier I, I wanted a sequel to Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's. And you said Star Trek. That's what made me think of it. I'm going to use the Star Trek franchise as a as a point. Let's look at the original series cast. Mm-hmm. They had a flop with the Final Frontier. No if and or yes, buts about it. It was a financial flop, a critical flop. It flopped. They had redemption with the Undiscovered Country. So Absolutely. we ended that franchise on a happy note. Let's look at the TNG movies. Let's not even think about Picard. I'm not going to talk mm-hmm. about that. I'm just talking about the movie franchise. They had a flop with Nemesis. Financial, critical. It was a flop. No if and or buts about it. They didn't get that redemption. As a crew, they got no redemption. And I wish there was another movie. Because that movie was marketed as a generation final journey begins. Yep. Not ends, begins. So obviously they wanted this to at least be part one of a of a two-part something other. Because that that's how it was marketed. And the next generation for movie franchise ends on a downer. And that's like Batman. This was a critical and financial flop. They could have redeemed themselves. I I agree. And with the... Because as you said, because Batman Begins is obviously... It's... Batman's in it. There ends the similarities between right. that and Batman and Robin. So it's effectively a different film series. Right. Very um, much so. Tonally, acting-wise, I mean, yeah... Because, like, obviously, there's there's fantastic... I, I love Batman Begins. Like, it's a great film. And there's fantastic performances in that. There are fantastic performances in Batman and Robin. It's just not the ones you're going to be given Oscars for. Right. It doesn't no. make them bad performances. No. But they weren't they weren't going for the emotional heart or core. And they, they could have. Oh, my God, they could have. Sorry. But you're dead, right? Do, do you know who was solidly brilliant in all four of the let's say the, the 90s Batman era, Michael Goff yes. as Alfred. Yes, and he brings emotion to this one even. He does. He does. Like, there, you know, when he's, you know, stage one McGregor syndrome, um, not to be confused with a certain MMA fighter, um, he is, you feel it. You, yeah. you, you really do feel it. You really do. And... And I know George Clooney says he was horrible in this movie. And, you know, he's not got the best deliveries of a lot of things. But that scene at the end where he's telling Mr. Freeze, you know, it's it's easy to take a life. But to save a life is a different story. He did wonderful on that scene. That is a yep. wonderful delivered scene. And I hate that he doesn't really get, you know, the credit for that. And even Arnold... Doing, you know, except for the take two of these and call me in the morning. I, I was like, oh, we had some hard. And then he ruins it with another one. But, you know, even he, the look on his face, the acting on his face is different from the rest of his performance in this movie. I I agree. I think in many ways, Arnie is. Maybe I wouldn't go so far as to say that he is an underrated actor. I think he, uh, you know, when he's been great, he's been great. And he's got the recognition he deserves for it. And like any writer, like any director, he's delivered a few clunkers. Yeah. But he was told, play camp for the the people in the back seats. And he played it for the people in the back seats. Right. 
He did. It was ice puns galore. There is. I know we, we spoke about this before, and I think a lot of people will know will know this game. So you you know the drinking game where you're to take a shot every time there's an ice pun. Oh my you god! You'd be drunk like after twenty minutes of this movie. You very possibly die of alcohol poisoning I watching would say this film. So. Like I, I I when I was a teenager and thought I was a lot stronger than than I was. Um, uh, just for legal reasons, it's legal to drink at eighteen in Ireland. So. Um, and so we said, "All right, let's let's do this game." I managed an hour. Oh, <laughs> I've never played it, but I can imagine. But to go to a positive, Mister Freeze's suit—holy crap—is that not a beautiful suit? It re- no, it really is. I I agree with that. So it's got it's got some stick for being like, what is going on in the suit? It's look if you cast Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're going for a certain aesthetic. Yes. You know, and it suited it. Yes, it <laughs> suited it. Pun. It, it it is a beautiful, beautiful suit, and I can imagine Sir Patrick Stewart in you know a, a smaller version of that suit. And to me, like in the Batman animated series, Mister Freeze is not a physical threat, so that's what makes he needs that suit. He needs the gun. He needs all that because he's not a physical threat. He just wants to cure his wife. And that's all. I mean, he'll go to any extreme necessary. But he just wants to cure his wife. And I mean, I suppose that is such an understandable right. um, drive. You know, in theory, wouldn't we all go to the ends of the earth and beyond to save our to save our nearest and dearest? Um, one thing I really like about this is that this this takes the backstory from the animated series. That was the animated series that created this story right. of the, the the lost wife or something. And and I I, I I love that. I think it's one of the saving graces. That, and there are quite a few saving graces, but it is one of the solid saving graces of this film is his motivation. Some of the puns, yes, could have been left on the cutting room floor, but his I think his motivation is solid. Yes, I agree. I agree. And like I say, this is one of those movies, and it was a 90s Batman movie, a 90s superhero movie, so the plot wasn't big. You know, was it the big? They just wanted the spectacle. And I think this movie really let people know sometimes spectacle's not enough, you know, because it was just three years later, we got X-Men. And what did that do to the superhero movie franchise? I mean, yeah, you still get some clunkers like Ghost Rider 2, but, um, but I mean, superhero movies are, I mean, are the thing now. I mean... Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, when theaters are open again. Well, that's that's it. I think I I certainly I was only having this exact conversation with somebody yesterday. I I miss the the communal experience of going to the theater big time, but I I really, for what my voice is worth, I really would ask all studios just move to streaming until we get this thing sorted until we get a vaccine sorted because you keep pushing back films which is going to end up costing so much money it's going to you know put people off making films if they know it's just because i I take for example uh tenet i think each delay that that faced it was like millions of dollars right um and then unfortunately Tenet didn't knock the ball out of the park yeah. it didn't recoup it, it, its losses I, yeah. I, I just I don't wish they would do the delays like they're doing I just want mm. them to do 
we're going to delay this until we can put like like a quiet place too when it got it was one of the first ones to get delayed john krasinski said we're delaying this until it's safe we can enjoy it together they've never given it a new release date and i think that's better than oh black widow we're going from may we're going to go in august october no now november oh now it's 2021 just 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 lay it off and I did go see the new mutants in theaters just because I was needing a new movie. And so I did go see yep. it. I, I, and it was the end of the X-Men franchise as we know it. I was there from movie one. I'll be there. I was there for movie. What was that? 13 now in the franchise. God. Yeah. When you count in all the offshoots. Yeah. And the, the yeah. Three original, three Wolverine, four um, of the prequels, two Deadpool, and then one, um, yeah, New Mutants. That's thirteen movies in that franchise total. Yeah, it is. And actually, funny New Mutants, and if you like Batman and Robin, what they share in common is that there is a feeling that the franchises went out on a whimper. On a whimper, and a lot of studio yeah. interference. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if ever if ever a movie was sent out to die, it was the New Mutants. It really was. That show that came out two years ago, and it had a great cast. It oh did. my gosh, I I was really impressed with the cast. And now I can go away from a movie that's not good and be like, man, that cast was really good. The new Fantastic Four movie from five years ago. I love that they were like, man, they screwed the pooch on this because that cast was brilliant. Great cast. If they, yep, yeah, it's there. There's, uh, I think it's a it's a well enough known saying that um, a great script can save a poor cast. But a great cast can't save a poor script. No. And studio interference, I know, is a bad, bad thing. We've seen it too many, too many times. Um, especially in the superhero genre. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Could have been a great yeah. movie. Andrew Garfield was brilliant. I re- yeah, I really like him in the role. Yeah. I really like it. I think Jamie Foxx. I think uh, there is there's at least rumors... If I don't know if it's been confirmed that Jamie Foxx may be coming to Spider-Man 3? Yes, I heard that and I'm weirded out by that because of all the positives from Amazing Spider-Man 2, Jamie Foxx as Electro was not one of them. I never heard anything positive about his performance. I think it was... I, I have a feeling that his casting was... You know, he is huge Hollywood star at yeah. the time absolutely bankable so what do you do let's get him into this franchise and then just let him do it you know yeah yeah, yeah um, I know what you're saying and Jamie Foxx is a great actor he is exactly I think it was another case of it was more stunt casting than yeah. it was it, like who would be great for this role right yeah. and I can understand that um hello and, but yeah, going back to Batman, I know we're just going off. Okay, I have one more funny thing about Batman and Robin. The computer cool. technology shown in this oh. movie. <laughs> I was watching it this morning on the treadmill, and my wife was in here, and it got to the point where Barbara was trying to guess the password for Alfred's computer. It is three letters only. Could you imagine having a three-letter password? Um, I mean, 
if you have a three letter password, you deserve to be hacked. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I crack up on that big time. And then he he created an AI of himself and everything. So yeah. Some funny stuff. Of course stuff. he did. Of course he did. Like yeah. Um but actually Joe, that that because we're 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 just coming up to the end now. So that brings me to you know, with the fun in the film, and there is, there's so much fun. If you if you had to pick three things that you both love and would use as a recommendation for people to watch this film, what would be those three things? Number one is Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman. That's number one. She's the best part of this movie. Um, she is vampy, campy, and she does a great job on it. She knows what she was getting into, and I don't think I don't think she camped it up like the others, um, if that makes mm. any sense. I think she really put some thought and more of a Mae West performance. Yeah, kind of a classic Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that's number one. That would be watch this movie with her, watching her, and you're gonna. And it's going to be really, really... You're going to like it. Number two, Chris O'Donnell. I'm sorry. He is perfect. Even though he has some horrible dialogue and this story arc and this one's not as good. He And, for, and I guess this goes back for more Batman Forever. He was the perfect choice for Robin for 1995. And he continued. He looked the part. He was enthusiastic. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't think we give Chris O'Donnell nearly enough credit as Robin because, you know, Robin is not considered the coolest um, superhero and everything. And But Chris O'Donnell does a fine job on this. And I would say the third thing, it would be Alfred. You hit it. Yeah. Alfred is so good in this. Um I still love the fact in this movie, Alfred is still teaching Bruce Wayne stuff. And he is he, about trust, about family and everything. And the script doesn't highlight it enough, but it's there. I mean, th- there's heart to the, there was, if this movie was made today, if you took the script to someone today and like, Hey, I just need a quick rewrite, you know, help me out here. in today's, 23 years later, that heart would be the number one thing you would remember about this movie. It would be Mr. Freeze and Nora and Alfred with the Bat family. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, what a lovely place to kind of leave it on that note is that this, there is a Bat family in this film where... And I know this was a deliberate choice on the part of the of Joel Schumacher. So it's like there isn't as much time devoted to the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne in this one. This is about building a new family together. And some people they didn't they didn't like that aspect of it, but I think that's 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 nice. I like that about this film a lot. I do too. And to me, you don't have to be one hundred percent faithful to source material. Hmm. You know, for it to be good or not. Um, I mean, look at Superman. I mean, you know, you've got the original Superman movie, which is, you know, just, uh, you know, he's a, you know, a nice middle, middle American, you know, doing well. And then you've got Man of Steel, 
who, you know, he's just, you know, a chiseled god, basically. You know, it's totally two different ways of looking at it, but it's still Superman. I don't prefer Man of Steel myself, personally. I think Henry Cavill was great, but I'm not big on that movie at all. But it's got fans. People like it. It was a different choice. And, you know, just, you've got, I've got my Christopher Reeve, you know, if I, you know, about yeah. that. And I just think some of the, you know, some of the stuff in here with, especially you mentioned about Batgirl being part of the family. I think it works, actually. Yep. I, I yep. So I think Batman and Robin, 97, you know, unfairly hated yes very unfairly hated i mean um, it, it, there's reasons to to you know there's there's parts on this that you know you can definitely pick this movie apart but i say if you just go into it looking for just a good time you're gonna have a good time absolutely i've for, watched it twice in a week card, if nothing else <laughs> i've watched it twice in the last week for preparing for this and I had a both. I had a good time both times watching it. Great memories. Brilliant. Well, look, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut time on it there, and like that is fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sean, for having me. I've just uh, this has been a blast. I've so been looking forward to this. Oh no! Like likewise, likewise, I've looked forward to this one for a while. Yeah, I've just I was looking forward just to chatting with you. Of course, I've heard your voice a lot on, you know, I listen to the podcast, you know, when you're on the walk culture video or track culture videos. So, you know, that's, you know, that's been awesome. But just to have a, I'm seeing your face on my computer chatting with you. This is like amazing to me. You, 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 you flatter me so much because I, I feel hundred percent the same way. This is, this, this has been a loving yeah. and I love it. Yeah. And if you ever want me back, I will say yes in a heartbeat. And I think I told you before, if you ever do want me back, if you want to do these kind of movies that, you know, like when someone says, I love Batman and Robin, they're going to tell me. I thought you'd say, you're on crack, mate. <laughs> no, my God. I didn't, I didn't put my own podcast name in it. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, okay. I have failed no. everyone in this situation. No, we but, didn't prepare but, for it, but I was just, you know. But like, that's all right, because I am going to get you back, and yeah. next time I'll be ready. All right. Oh. Just, just tell me the and date and time, and I will make it happen. 100%. I'll just turn up at the house some point. Oh. Um, I need to travel again. Um, and that is the end of our episode this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Whether you think we're mad for what we've said, think we're stunning and wonderful, or frankly, think we're on crack, let us know. Please consider following the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or the podcast catcher of your choice. Johnny, if anyone wants to reach out, which they absolutely should, how can they find you? The best way is through Twitter. I'm at Zoidberg95, Zoidberg, the Futurama character. My favorite character on Futurama. Um, I'm there. It's under Sorcerer Johnny. I'm a big Disney fan, and Sorcerer Mickey is my favorite character. Uh, so I just I was supposed to go to Disneyland in April, and pandemic happened. First time ever to California. Pandemic happened, and my wife and I, our anniversary was that time, and so we went to Disney Overboard trying to make up for it. And so on Twitter, I made myself Sorcerer Johnny. And this was a time that I got to be friends with you and Michael. And Michael just kept calling me Sorcerer. So from that point on, I'm like, 
I'm never going to get to change my username, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'll be Sorcerer Johnny. <laughs> That's it. Like this is the, this is this is how I know you. Right. <laughs> so, so I've kept it there all this time. So, but yeah, Twitter is the best place. Um, I've got a huge Trek Twitter family, but I've also got my Disney people. I I I'm not a Trek Twitter person. Like that, my my Twitter is not Trek everything, um, because. I'm talking about my weight loss, my fitness, you know, everything, which, Sean, you have been a huge inspiration these past 11 days now, and it, it I don't know what, you said this will be airing in a, in a few weeks, but as of today, we're on day 11 of a 30-day 100 push-up challenge. We're over a third of the way through, and you helped get this off the ground, and it's just been the most beautiful thing for this terrible year to see come together and that's all twitter absolutely um like i to anyone listening i cannot recommend just reaching out following engaging enough because um you bring a smile to my face every day and same here yep um if you want to get in touch with obviously ourselves you can catch us on facebook instagram twitter all you're on crack mate or actually probably better just at sean ferrick you'll get straight through to me uh please rate and review the podcast if you can every word goes a long way if you enjoyed this podcast please consider becoming a patron over on patreon for the same price as a coffee a month you can get exclusive access to episodes before they air along with creative input on the episodes we produce we will be back next week with another episode of you're on crack mate I've been Sean, and you've been awesome.